0: We start this episode with some sad news today. Uh, Leicester City Chairman Vichai Srivathana Prabha, two members of his staff, the pilot and passenger, were killed when their aircraft spiraled out of control and crashed in a fireball on Saturday. Uh, Leicester City Football Club has released a statement. I'll read you some of that. Uh, It is with deepest regret and a collective broken heart that we confirm our chairman, Vichai Srivathana Prabha, was among those to have tragically lost their lives on Saturday evening when a helicopter carrying him and four other people crashed outside King Power Stadium. None of the five people on board survived. The primary thoughts of everyone at the club are with Sri Panahata Prabha family and the families of all these on board at this time for the unspeakable loss. In Kun Vishai, the world has lost a great man, a man of kindness, of generosity and a man whose life was defined by the love he devoted to his family and those he so successfully led leicester city was a family under his leadership it is as a family that we will grieve his passing and maintain the pursuit of a vision for the club that is now his legacy
1: Uh, as the announcement was made uh, many tributes have poured in uh, for the chairman Riyad Mara said that, one of the best, that he was one of the best people I've ever met. I will never forget you. Rest in peace, Vichai. Uh, Jamie Vardy said, "I was struggling to find the right words, but to me, you are a legend, an incredible man who had the biggest heart, the soul of Leicester City. And Kasper Schmeichel said, you gave me experiences that only happen in fantasy. You literally made my dreams come true. Um, as we all know, Vichai was a man who truly changed the club for the better the city, and the lives of so many fans and players alike. Um, he will surely be missed.
0: Yeah, and he's a type of person, he made the impossible a reality by taking the little guys to the top, and he was a, a big proponent in that and, and made everybody seem like anything really is possible, and all he's donated to the entire city of Leicester, universities, schools, doctor, uh, hospitals. Um, so we'd like to start this episode out with a moment of silence, and we will join you in a few seconds. All right, so a little somber start to the podcast, but we are now going to continue somberness and talk about Newcastle United. Um, <laughs> Elijah, we... Yep are now at episode 16. Yeah. We still don't have a win, but we got a point.
1: We we did get a point and <laughs> It's, it's by tough the way to,
0: to try to be positive after starting it that way.
1: Uh, here's some positivity. Yeah. Uh, your prediction was correct.
0: It, it was yours. I went with 1-1. One, one.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I guess my prediction was correct. Yeah. I guess uh, that's positive. I um, actually positive. thought we'd score goals. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I didn't really have that much faith in us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah uh, that uh, that happened. It was a game, and it was probably I think that that was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen in my entire life. But we'll see. We'll we'll talk
0: about that in a second. What else we're going to talk about today? Um. Yeah. So news has recently came about about uh, some chants that were being held. Obviously, you listened to the beginning of this. Podcast, but there has been some very unfortunate chants, I would say. I didn't want to even talk about it because I don't think it's worth being spoken about, but I actually saw a good quote that I think can put some perspective into everything. And then, Elijah, I want to hear your take on it too. So um, there's the normal chant that fans say is when Ashley sells the club. Um, And they've kind of, and this was from uh, nufc.com by the way, um, they're, they're, it was their quote on this, but they said uh, the, the chance we're now mutated into when Ashley dies. And it's a sentiment that hardly paints Newcastle supporters in the most flattering light, obviously. Uh, it's worth noting that this came at a game hours before the events in Leicester, but to repeat it in the coming weeks would be an invitation for those elements of the media who don't like us to put the boot in yet again. We're better than that, surely. And I think that's that's a brilliant... There's obviously... You can go morally – I mean, you get to go so many layers how wrong that is, and it's just not right. And if you defend it, like, just honestly think about that. Imagine if somebody said that about your family member. I Just saying it at all to a stranger, it's it's wrong in every sense of it. Um, but if you look at it even to the media, man, like, this does not look good. And if you want somebody to sell the club, who's buying a club with that fan base, with chanting that? That's, that's not n- – nowhere is that – good nowhere is it acceptable it's completely wrong and i wasn't going to address it but i feel now after it's gotten some traction and it's even gotten media attention um i think it's definitely worth mentioning to just completely stop it completely cut it out elijah your your thoughts
1: yeah and i think uh part of the issue and and, and something that kind of really irks me um it's been a common if, if if your brand is Iose Perez, my brand is is bashing fans for the stupid things they say and do. Um, I've been doing it for a while, and this is this is this is probably one of the worst things I've ever heard come out of the of Newcastle fan base. But what was equally as disheartening was uh, Mark Douglas, who probably one of the most respected journalists um, covering Newcastle right now. Um, he just simply tweeted that this was a good statement by the club, which it was. Uh, fair play to the PR department and communications department. That is a brilliant statement that, uh, in theory, should unite everyone and get everyone on the same page about you know the fact that the obvious, the chants like that are, are terrible. Um, but instead, uh, Mark Mark was attacked by multiple people. He and Lee both um, attacked by multiple people for really no reason, people accusing them of not covering uh, the Magpie group enough and not covering the fan protests enough, uh, despite them being the only major outlet that's consistently covering uh, the Magpie group, showing up to meetings, uh, doing podcasts, doing live blogs about it. Um, And it was just some of these attacks, they're just uncalled for. There's no reason to, to go after Mark, go after Lee because of your own personal frustrations and the realization that maybe you might be the one who's messed up. Um, I, I think it's just ridiculous that people are, are choosing now to go after Leah and and uh, and, and Mark. So it, it's it's just there's a lot of of just disgracefulness that's come out of the whole situation. And and we didn't really want to talk about it, but I mean there there's a line and and it's definitely been crossed.
0: Yeah, very well said. There. Um, so we're just going to move on from that because uh, we definitely want to start getting into to real talk, and it's going to be more of a depressing tone. Uh, from everything that's happened this weekend even in the United States not sports related to what happened in Leicester City and and these very unfortunate chants, there's just a lot of negativity right now Um, so I wish we could be more upbeat but we're still winless. all this stuff is happening so it's really hard so Elijah why don't we get into more of the Magpie group you mentioned them um, and and some of the things they, they had some big announcements some plans why don't you tell the people more about that.
1: Yeah, they they dropped a hype video today. Yeah, um which did. which was that was, you know, it's something that I was wasn't expecting. Hype video that went on, on all channels. Um also just something of note, the president of the Magpie group has now created a Twitter. I totally forgot what it was, but I think this is the, kind of the first time people who aren't at the meetings have have kind of put a face with, with the name. Um and, and so that that's just been really cool to see is that, you know, this guy's now out in the public and putting himself out there and people are following him and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but anyway, so they released a video that kind of outlines, um, what the plans are going forward, um, pretty much until the end of the year. Uh, so, um, with the biggest one being a proposed boycott on December 9th against wolves. And so if, if that doesn't ring a bell wolves, that is the next big, uh, televised game for Newcastle. Uh, not only will that be a Sky Sports televised event, but of course that'll be the main televised uh, match for NBC Sports as well. Um, but in the in the immediate future, uh, there's going to be a mass fire handout, pre-match uh, protest at, uh, at Millwall reception against uh, Watford on the 3rd. Um, on the 10th, there's going to be no protest um, in respect of Remembrance on that game's against Bournemouth. I um, mean, then probably my favorite part of the graphic is just on November 17th, uh, which that's the international break, right, Greg?
0: Uh, yeah, no, the 17th, you said? Yeah. Yeah, that's still the break, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so they they have – because all in this poster they have, it's like all the uh, – it's like the Newcastle Shield versus, uh, like, uh, Watford. It's like, like the logos, and this one just says the Magpie Reverse Sports Direct – um, it's November seventeenth. They're going to the head offices of the Sports Direct in Shirebrook, and they're going to protest. Uh, they're going to protest Mike Ashley directly, like right outside his window. Um, and then uh, on December first, they're going to have uh, an eleventh-minute walk-in, uh, and they've encouraged people to have an extra pint of beer uh, before instead of showing up on time. And then there's going to be a joint protest against Sports Direct in Liverpool um, against Everton on December fifth. Um, and of course, December 9th is the big boycott where they're hoping that no one will show up to the match. Um, and, and rightfully so if, if, and it's one of those things where I think that um, because St. James is known for being a sellout crowd or sell, you know, sellout matches, crazy atmosphere. Um, if half that stands empty, it's going to make a statement um, and it's going to draw attention regardless, even if there's 10 to 15,000 people missing out of the 52. Um, and then, to close things out, they're uh, doing a protest, um, you know, normal protests outside of the stadium and such against Fulham on December 22nd and then Boxing Day, joint protests against Sports Direct in, uh, in Liverpool. So um, it's cool to see that there's going to be some joint protests between uh, different supporters, um, supporting groups, uh, not only in Newcastle, but, I mean, with the Liverpool one, looks like they've called on some of their their the Liverpool faithful to join in the protest. So that's kind of what they have coming over. It's cool to see – an actual plan from them after uh, pretty much weeks of just floating out random ideas. And um, there was some semblance of, you know, maybe polling people, but a lot of these ideas didn't sound good, but these actually sound like they're going to be pretty effective. Um, It incorporates a little bit of everything. It allows for fans who didn't want to boycott every single match um, to still go to a lot of the games and then for everyone to sacrifice one game and and boycott a game in in front of a national audience. So yeah, that's kind of all I got for the magpie group.
0: Yeah. And there's, to me, there's two things that can happen. Um, One is Ashley's coming to every game, so he's going to see these boycotts and it's, better now than never like when he's present like seeing that that's a whole different story than just hearing about it especially if he's there for the boycott which i just i really hope he is um so it's either gonna a force a sale or b force investment i think and then there's obviously c which nothing happens which is extremely likely but to me like that's like you're gonna get most likely (laughs) if the protest wins uh, let's say that if the protest wins one of those two things are gonna happen if it doesn't win c will happen right? Yeah, is that it, fair to say?
1: That's fair to say. I would also point, and this is something they point out in the video, the last time there was a boycott of St. James, which uh, a few years back, um, Mike Ashley immediately pumped in, like, 80 million pounds into the club over the next few windows, so um, this could be, like, I think that's Heard that or the purpose, I think, pertaining this protest, and that's why it's happening in December, and that's why, because I think that they want to see an investment in the club. Like, I think people have come to terms with, you know, Mike Ashley publicly stating that he's going to sell the club and that it's possibly going to happen at the end of the season. But I think people are equally and should – people are probably even more concerned that he's just not going to invest in January, uh, thus resulting in a relegation. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, and I do have more club news, Greg. Okay. It's just we have to address it. So the Chronicle released um, another article today, uh, which, you know, volume – that's, that's what they do. Um, and it said that there was a rumor that we're once again linked to Miguel Amarun. And I have to say this. As someone who is very familiar with Atlanta United, the Atlanta media, and Darren Eels, who is the, uh, who's the director over at, at, at um, Atlanta United, Newcastle cannot afford Miguel Amarun. The rumored price tag that the Chronicle had was 11 million pounds. That is disgraceful. Um, there was a rumor floating around that Arsenal wanted him for that same figure. Darren Eels uh, then um, came out with a statement saying when he read that, he laughed and almost spit his water out because he wanted at least triple that value. Furthermore, um, and we can we can if you want to check this out for yourselves, Dirty South Soccer, which is the, the blog that covers Almiron's home club, um, another SB Nation site, they did a whole debunking of that initial rumor, which the Chronicles seem to have pulled their numbers from, um, that that debunks that whole price tag and everything. Basically, some guy made up this quote on some random site and everyone ran with it. The guy even mis- misnamed Darren Eels and put Darren Eagles. It's like a joke among an, amongst Atlanta United supporters. The main point being, Miguel Almarin's not coming to Newcastle if Newcastle can't afford to pay a $16.5 million release clause for and Ron Rondon. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there just in case people were still thinking that that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, like we said, it's going to be a negative one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, and you never know, but we kind of know. Um, yeah. I mean, and I mean, also it's, just, yeah, and it's, it's up fun. to the player too. And if there's interest at Everton, why would you pick us over Everton? Everton. I mean, what would it, be the, the reason? Cause yeah. I, and I and as a player, what's making players want to play for Newcastle right now?
1: I mean, the only thing we've got is Rafa Benitez. And yeah, uh, that's it. And that, that only goes so far. And and to be fair, Almarone is someone who's influenced by the, the manager uh, and, like yeah. he he's quoted as the only reason he came to Atlanta United it was because of Tata Martino. Uh, he knew nothing about Atlanta. He knew nothing about the MLS. He just knew that Tata was going to be there. So having a legitimate manager that's, you know, respected is something that, that Almaroon values. Um, but, but that being said, um, like Greg and I have discussed many times off, off air. Uh, it, it, there's just, Almaroon's not coming to Newcastle. There's, there's a lot of, of factors. I mean, and, and part of it is play style. Uh, part of it is just the, the climate. Part of it is just the mere fact, and probably the biggest part is the mere fact that Newcastle don't have the money to spend. And even if you know there's a rumor floating around, started by someone who has who has ability to publish things, uh, saying that Mike Ashley wants to spend sixty million pounds in this January transfer window. Even if he wants to do that, there's no way Rafa's going to use uh, half of that on one player. Unless this player is going to be a proven goal scorer um, or completely proven number ten, which I love Almiron, but he's not the type of guy we can afford to spend thirty million pounds on, um, especially when that's going to be half the transfer budget we have. So, so yeah, that's just quick, just a quick segue uh, on Almeron and those rumors because they're inevitably going to come up again because it's so easy to link him to a club like Newcastle that's big enough but struggling and clubs like Everton and Arsenal who are always on the cuffs, who always should be doing better than they actually are doing. So, yeah, that, that's all we have to say on Almaroon.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get right into our review of Southampton. Uh, we're, I'm going to start it just with some stats. So game ended in a 0-0 draw. We have actually – our only points this season, which is three, have only come in nil-nil draws. That's the only time. Anytime a goal has been scored in any of our matches, we have gotten zero points from it this season, which is an odd stat to say the least um, because typically you need goals to get points and we don't have a lot, but that stat is still untrue to us. Um, So we've lost seven, drawn the other three. So we've reached that 10 game status. Yes, it is time to panic uh, because three points through 10 puts us on pace for 11 points for the season. Just uh, set let that set in uh, three points or ten is eleven for the season that's bad um, so they says so lost seven drawn three and that is officially the worst ever first ten games in Newcastle history it's never been done before um, the the earlier one was actually in 1898 when they had they had a ten match winless start of, had six defeats and four draws so. They had four points at this point, and that sequence is actually broken up because their next game, their eleventh game, is when they won three to zero against Liverpool. Uh, fun stat there. So hopefully we can at least keep that and win our eleventh. But um, it was our first clean sheet at Southampton forty-seven years. That's that's just a interesting stat. <laughs> Thought that was fun, and then I go back to to five thirty-eight, the stats website. So they project the entire season. And they have your relegation percentages, where's everybody going to finish, et cetera, et cetera. So still, Newcastle are not in the top three of expected relegation. So right now at the bottom of the table, they have a Huddersfield with a 58% of getting, chance of getting relegated, Fulham at 53%, Burnley in the bottom three at 43%, Cardiff fourth from bottom at 42 and then Newcastle at 32%. So they're still saying that we're going to finish at 36 points even though we have 3 <laughs> right now and that's going to be enough to survive. Um by 2 points they're they're predicting Burnley at 34, Fulham at 31 and Huddersfield at 30 and they're even saying Cardiff is going to survive so um pretty interesting there. It's so they're still saying there's hope. There's hope for us. We're playing better than the results. Um so let's let's get into so, some of the match. So, it w- it was an awful match. Uh, Elijah, just kind of go over, just do a brief overview for us on on your thoughts of everything. It was bad. Zero so- shots on goal in ninety.
1: Yeah, it was just it was just not a good game.
0: Yeah, um, no, but not at all. It was it w-
1: it looked like two teams that were in a relegation battle. Um, it, and uh, it just it was it was bad on every on every. Gar- neither team could really create. Neither team looked good. Neither team seemed to. Have It seemed like both teams had players that just weren't playing – that were just playing the absolute wrong roles. It was just uh, – it was just disgusting to watch. I don't even know how to how to display or convey any, any sort of, like, thoughts about the match. I mean, like, I don't even know who our best player was. Like, I mean, by default, I think I'll just say Martin Dubrovka because he's a person who consistently is our best player. So, I, I don't know. It was – it's just – yeah, it was very bad. It was, I feel bad for the guys who were calling the game. like Because, I mean, we could turn the game off if we yeah. wanted. Yeah. But, but they couldn't. They had, to, yeah. they had to stay there. They had to <laughs> like, stay there the whole
0: time. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mike Ashley was there again. And so I feel like watching that is like, what else can you say besides like your five straight trips and then your fifth one in a row, it's this one. And you're like, man. Like I something needs to change because this is not good. Like he has to see that, right? I mean he's yeah. sitting there watching that. I mean, how do you not even fall asleep? I would be I would not be even be upset. And I know Ashley would get killed for this if the cameras called him asleep. But I would get it. I would get it watching that. I was tired watching that game. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I mean there's this I was miserable.
1: Yeah, there's a there I mean I wouldn't say viral, but viral amongst the Newcastle Twitter community of like pictures of Mike Ashley laughing with Lee Charlie in the, in, in their whatever their owner's little box and it's just like what could you possibly be laughing at like yeah like, it, i mean and hey i'm all for i'm all for a guy who makes jokes in particularly somber situations or just jokes in general even when it doesn't seem like it's the right time to make a joke or if it's not that funny i'll still make a joke and i'll still laugh so maybe mike ashley's just like making awkward jokes and Lee Charlie feels like he has to laugh or he'll get fired. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just a really I, I weird. I like that take. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the correct take. I would imagine Lee Charlie laughs at like all of Mike Ashley. Like, Mike Ashley probably thinks he could do stand up. Yeah. Like that's probably where he wears jeans and, and a white bun down all the time. Hopefully, that's his up
0: outfit. Hopefully that's a career that he do- He decides to to take. So
1: <laughs> We're, we can only hope. Yeah switching industries what uh, mike actually would be the type of guy to buy like a comedy club just so that he could
0: perform in it yeah and like no one could tell him no i'm about that life (laughs) i don't Um, hate it now now the starting lineup so it was i think it was the exact same starting lineup as the as our match against brighton no
2: oh yeah i think think so. so
0: yeah because uh, you had Muto up top. Well, it was it, it, I guess it kind of lined up as a four four one one. Perez was doing nothing, and then Muto eventually you had you to do? figure you out should like, am calling... I the ten or are up top?
1: <laughs> you should start calling it a 4-4-0-1 yeah, it to... oh four that's four zero one because it's just doesn't
0: That's what it is. Blank one. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what it is because he like he doesn't even deserve the, the 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 like the the spot in the
0: formation. Yeah, he just doesn't play it. Oh it, yeah, it was it was another ugly one from him. And I think um I actually I retweeted it. Let me find it because Mark Doug oh, I don't want to say Mark Douglas if that was wrong. Uh I know I retweeted this. Um It was something about Perez, so I was very happy. Do you remember? Oh yeah, I got it. It was Mark Duffy. So ten pre- ten Premier League appearances, zero goals one assist, and a measly six total shots on target. Shirley Perez has to drop out of the starting 11 now that Rondon is back. Yeah? Yeah, man. You're the number 10 and you have six shots on target? Perez, get out of here. Go. Leave. Go to Barcelona. Barcelona.
1: Remember they wanted Go him? To Mallorca. Why, Why didn't we – we should have pulled the trigger on that deal so quickly.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: What's I just that? that that is bizarre that he wasn't sold if that yeah. like because that that's one of those rumors that's like that that everyone references so like at this point I just believe it was true that he was linked to Barcelona and that yeah. we just like and they wanted him and we just didn't sell him <laughs> like I I I have to believe that's true now and I'm just wondering why didn't we sell him he is hot garbage
0: yeah for sure um so obviously he was bad Um, so, so the match started, it was really saints. They were just, they were really pressing high. They were coming right at us. Um, Newcastle, were trying to play it out of the back and the saints were just forcing them to kick it out of play. And like, there wasn't much, much going on. So saints got a lot of great chances. Dubrovka, man, he was a killer today. I mean, it's, it's obvious. I think you can look at the stats and see it that. Southampton probably feels like they they lost two points in this one. Um, Dubrovka was, played out of his mind. He made some great saves. And, and even, even the back line, I think, had issues in this one because there was a lot of, like, failed clearances, like trying to get it out of the box, and just it wouldn't happen. And Dubrovka kept bailing them out every time. Uh, Did you notice that at all, or you think I'm – being a little dramatic
1: <laughs> no I, I i genuinely think that no one on newcastle played well i mean outside of dubrovka i mean i i just i have nowhere i mean our winger play is, has decimated i mean this was the first time where I, I wouldn't have been mad if matt Ritchie was subbed for for someone else
0: yeah um, like
1: it was just because it was it was more of like he just wasn't effective it wasn't that he wasn't he was bad he just wasn't effective i think that was the story was that there was no one who was effective with the ball uh in terms of newcastle there was there's moments where i mean granted neither team could string together more than three or four passes and it's just like you're in the premier league you should be able to you know string together four or five passes passes and work it up
0: of the pitch but you know neither team was able to do that it was just disgusting and, and it shows too because playing a side that Southampton that has that that is really it's a relegation fight this match and they're pressing so high against us it's like it's man City that we're playing like they're they're forcing us to get rid of the ball and it's, it's like it shows the confidence like everybody's gonna be up to play us because they think they can get three points now like and that's what we're gonna face I mean I haven't seen uh, like a lower table side pressed this high against us before. I can't remember. Brighton certainly did. They sat back. But, man, I, I was shocked when they came out and they just attacked. And we were, we were trying to play out the back, and they were just coming right at our back floor. It was, it, I was like, wow, this is this is not good. Because <laughs> we usually don't respond well to it, and we did enough to get a clean sheet. But that was concerning for me.
1: Yeah, I think it was also, I mean, Rafa's a little bit of criticism here because it didn't seem like there was any tactical change throughout the game as well. It seemed like regardless of the situation, Rafa was pretty glued to his tactics, which got us the draw, which I, it's the commentators kept saying, or, I mean, yeah, the commentators just kept saying that he would be happy with the draw. But, I mean, I would have been mad with the draw if I'm Rafa because you know that your team – on paper, should be better than Southampton, and that you're a better manager. So I'm just wondering, like, why was there no real adjustments made um, at halftime or 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 the 60th minute mark when when Rondon came on? It just it was just b- kind of baffling to me. It just didn't seem like that we made any adjustments um, at all. But there there was there was one huge bright spot um, from this match, though. So, there was a moment, and this is the first time this has happened this season, Greg. Um, Iosia uh-huh. was subbed off. I knew you were going to say it.
0: That's awesome. It was. It was. It was just like wow. I was so happy. I was shocked. And then it, it, it was. <laughs> oh, go ahead.
1: Muto and Rondon lasted like maybe what six, seven minutes together. Yeah. But it was
0: just better than whatever Iose. Well, yeah, to. and uh, like I saw, like Rondon came on, and then Rondon. I, I'll say it. Like I don't think he was fit at all. Uh, we just needed a change, and I'm glad. Actually, Rafa made all the subs that I wanted him to this time. Uh, so so I only said two of the subs. I didn't want Atsu to come on from Utah. But that was the last sub that he made. But Rondon for Perez, that was perfect, even though I would prefer Rondon more. Help. I, he just looked a little slow, and I, I get it. I get it. He's hurt. It's a hamstring. Like Obviously, you're going to take a little bit off your first run back. You're probably It's probably in your head. I get it. And then Key for Diame. Diame was having an awful match, and it's good to see just Key get a run in. Um, so I was saying, like, if I get I, – actually, wait. Did you predict that too? The the subs? Or was somebody else I'm I, talking to? Somebody I, I was talking to was like I predicted both the subs that we needed to make. I didn't predict them. Red, I was – Just happy. I, I – I,
1: I think it was one of those where I, I think everyone predicted that Ron Don should come on for Perez. Well, everyone yeah. wanted it, but like, I don't think, I think there were very few people that would, that thought it would actually happen. Yeah. Cause I think every week we want Perez to get subbed off. Yeah. And it, every week play. it doesn't
0: happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
2: so, and, so, I
1: mean, and, fair play to whoever you were talking to, like, cause yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe they actually genuinely believe that like, all right, this is the breaking point for Perez. Like he's, Really bad, and maybe we should figure things out and sub them off. So yeah, yeah. that was, and that I was got
0: awesome. so giddy when I saw Muto drop into the ten. I was like, oh, it's time. This is gonna, this is gonna be a win. We're ready now. <laughs> and then Muto lasted. I think it was ten minutes total um before Atsu came on. And I, I was still okay. I was like, okay, maybe Rafa's seeing something on Muto. um He hasn't started a lot this season. Maybe he's tired and. I was like, maybe, maybe Atsu's speed could give a little bit of burst, but Atsu looks slow. I mean, he didn't look that great either. But he, nothing's changed. Um and, then, yeah, and, and wait, I do have to bring up something, and this is uh,
1: just—I guess it's not—it's cl- club news, which relates to the match. And you talking about Atsu uh, may remind me of it. There's Rafa's quotes about um, his about the match have come out, and he's basically called on French players like. Uh, like Jacob Murphy and and uh, and Christian Natsu and the likes and I mean I guess you could include Mankyo in that to to step up and really start performing better in training during games etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, basically kind of putting it on on them which is interesting but it, it it I guess it needed to be said I mean I don't I don't disagree with it but it's also just like they're not they're not the only people who need to step up step up. So uh yeah, it was just something interesting that Rafa said. Nothing. Yeah, nothing no, I'm
0: I I love that. I wanna see more more of a panic with yeah. with some of the players. Like I remember when Lascelles had his like his first moment, but that was a different team. That was a team that and he said it that didn't care back then. This team, yeah. I think, cares. It's just obvious the skill isn't there, and I th- that's why I think the players kind of know it. And it's like, man, we're out, we're outmatched, and there's not much we can do about it because we don't have the skill set to compete. But and, I do yeah. think that we. I mean, I said it in the preview, like Southampton. If you take player to player, I think they have a better squad, but we've played up to a higher level than than Southampton's squad is. So I thought it was a legitimate chance. But yeah, I would definitely like Nathan Redmond had a day. Dennyings. Well, um, and then the other one I, I want to mention real quick. So you mentioned that you wanted to see a little bit more from Rafa. And I, I thought we had a good run in right at the start of the second half till about the hour mark, so like 15 minutes. And then right when they sub- subbed Gabby Adini on, oh man, we were screwed. He torched our entire midfield every time he touched the ball. Man, I would love a player like that to come off the bench on Newcastle. He He owned the game from literally from I think he came in just after the hour mark and he uh yeah 63rd minute for Charlie Austin he came in and absolutely torched us every time he got the ball in the midfield he left them in the dust there was nothing that we could be done he was creating chances probably could have scored twice and we like I was like man we just got to bunker in this guy is taking over um, so that's something that at least worth mentioning man that was a game changer sub by Hughes and it's at least worth mentioning because that was brutal for us. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: I agree. I, I also <laughs> just keep forgetting Charlie Austin still like in the Premier League. Yeah, it's like you forget, and then, then his name shows up on the team sheet. You're like,
0: oh wow, this guy, he's still he's still here. Yeah, <laughs> still there, and not effective because now it's over 400 minutes that to have scored a goal, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, at least they didn't score against us. Yeah, that would have been even more ridiculous. But we did get a point, and that's <laughs> that's, that's better than nothing. Point.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's. And it's point. in a way. It a it's point. in a way. That was in a way. Yeah, and a wee, away Premier League match. And if you did listen to the preview, um, our form at Southampton, we were one and one win and five losses in our last six. So. I mean, yeah. To to get a draw, it's it's not something that's guaranteed to get points when we go down there. So overall, it's you know, you want to get you want it. You're just we're desperate for a win, right? Um, it it stinks to not get that, but we did get something. I'm trying to be positive, Elijah. I'm doing the best I can. Do yeah, you have any doing, positive takes? Um, I
1: I I don't know. I think, I think there's a, a bit of realization that I think will set in and, and cause a bit of panic. I mean, I think that there is still the potential of us going on a run. Uh, and if you look back to last season and just how this team played, and it, a lot of a lot of the wins and such came from just outworking other teams. And I don't, I haven't seen us really work. For a game in quite a while i think the last time we really did was when we played you know some of those upper tier teams and we were really going for it and spirits were still high i think the the past couple games i, I just haven't seen this team really work like really work hard i mean everyone putting in 110 percent every single time i mean there's been certain players with great performances but i mean they, just overall i haven't seen the team kicking into an, a new a new gear in a while so if they can get back to that and and Make that their brand, which that is what Newcastle fans want. They want a hard-working squad that's a, it's going to you know get down yeah. and dirty, nitty gritty like that. That is the identity that this team should have. And if they can, if they can embrace that, then this team has the potential to stay up. Now, if they continue yeah. to be lackadaisical and half had haphazardly carry out the tactics that um that are being given to them, then yeah, we're going down for sure. And you can uh, pencil that in and we can take all the, the slander from Sunderland, and maybe the Time War Derby will uh, return next season.
0: So, uh, I don't know. That's what I have to say. It's not really a positive. It's just like, a hey, this is something. No, that, that makes sense because the- you go back to that uh, 538 site, and they're monitoring every statistic, every little thing. They're, you know, big stats, like, nerd website, and they're saying, like, this team with three points through ten and winless in the Premier League, the only team winless in the Premier League, is still not going to get relegated. We're confident in that. Like yeah. that's that says something to me. I mean, I know numbers don't always win, um, which is why games aren't played on paper. So, but it's it's just something of note. I mean, there's there's people that do punch in these numbers and like they're better than they're playing, um, which I think people could easily argue. Just frust and which is why it's even more frustrating to see these results. But um, we'll get into quotes. Rafa said, we are in a difficult position, but it is a small step forward in terms of confidence and showing the team can compete. In terms of work rate and team spirit, I can't complain. The fans realize it's a difficult situation and they got behind the team. I think we have to consider the circumstances going away from home at the bottom of the table, getting a clean sheet and a point. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Rondon also said that it's, it is good to have another striker and more competition, but his match fitness needs to improve by, Oh, this is what Rafa said on Rondon. Um, his match fitness needs to be improved by playing games. He was training with the fitness coach. Now in the last couple of weeks, he has been more involved with the team. He's a little far away from his condition, but he is another option and that's very positive. Um, he said Muto worked very hard, needed to work from the strikers and they needed the pace. Uh, he made the substitution to get fresh legs He's very happy with Muto. He said he has to learn about English football, especially when challenging in the air. But he is working hard, and I'm happy with him. So, (laughs) I think Muto. Why do
1: people keep focusing on the fact Muto is short? I know, but it's it's just
0: he needs to learn. (laughs) But how to speak the language and play the style.
1: But, I mean, also, I just I just think it's funny that, like, that was one of the criticisms was that he needs to be better in the air. And it's just, like, I get it. But also, like, he's you're playing him at, a, like, this advanced position going up against center backs that are literally six, seven inches taller than him. So it's just interesting that, like, that's one of the criticisms. But, yeah, I mean, sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, one last thing, and I think this is the most important quote, just just of note, I, I don't mean it as it's something that we believe in or don't believe in, but Rafa did mention about the protest. Did you hear about this, Elijah? No, I did not. So he has a complete opposite take. Oh, not I did protests. hear this. Yeah, yeah, so he said, I think it is important for us to have the fans behind us. Some people think it is more pressure playing in front of them, but it's a difficult situation and be united. This is what we have to do. We can help the atmosphere in the city by winning games. We have to try that. In the meantime, we need the fans to the stadium supporting the team for ninety minutes. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes. I will be the first one to make mistakes. We have to keep supporting the team if we want to stay in the Premier League, like we proved last year. We are stronger all together.
1: Yeah, and and that actually, I think that puts a little bit of pressure on the Magpie Group because let's not forget the whole reason this group uh, <laughs> this group was formed was the because the. the the uh, the Twitter account if Rafa goes, we goes, just blew up and appeared on the scene out of nowhere and gained ridiculous amount of followers in one day. Blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. I think the other thing is that if this team starts to win, I'm just very curious to see what the Magpie Group does. Um, like if that boycott still happens. Like if we're going in the Wolves, and we're going to that Wolves game on three straight wins. Does that boycott still happen? Um, because at that point, I, you would argue that I think the 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 team would want us there more than like it's worth uh, one upping Ashley, who we believe is going to sell uh, at the end of the season regardless so i don't know it, it's it's something to, to definitely take into consideration and it's also something to to look at in terms of like what are the magpie group's actual values and that's we can go back and look at their mission statement and see. But if they're if they're really, you know, committed to being loyal to Rafa, it'd be interesting to see how they kind of respond to those comments. And and they did and they still want
0: to do a boycott. So we'll see. Yeah. Um it it will it will be telling for sure. And I don't like Ashley was told it will eventually blow over. And if we start winning, I don't want it to blow over. (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time, we have to support the – I mean, we, we're supporting Newcastle. We're not – I mean, nothing's changing from that end. So I think that's one thing we always have to remember. And I think it's always good to take note of because at the end of the day, we're supporting the club. We could be angry at the guy who owns the club, but the club is our life. It's why this podcast exists. It's, it's everything. So um, at, at the end of the day, that's what we have to back. So it's a uh, catch twenty two. Uh Elijah, best player. Yeah.
1: Best player. Uh I'm gonna go Dubrovka. It's a pretty easy choice. Uh I I, I would probably imagine... I,
0: I wish yeah. I could go different, but there's no way I could.
1: Yeah, there's just there was a lot of bad players. Um, who's your worst player?
0: <laughs> well <laughs> first time I named this player is the worst. His name is iozy Perez. Oh, whoa. That's a shocker. He, he, played the number 10 and did nothing with it. Thank you once again, IOC for completely ruining our chances when you are in the best area to create.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little different, a little bit more controversial actually. And this is actually the second time I think I've caught at this player, but Jamal LaSalle's, um, I think was our worst player uh, hmm. because I think as the captain, um, and he's shown that he's able to do this, uh, he has to make sure that the team is playing at the level that they need to be. And I think that he just wasn't there. I think his on-field leadership the past couple games has been uh, pretty pretty bad. I think the biggest leader on this team um, in, uh, in the past couple weeks has been Dubrovka with the public statements he's made and just the way he carries himself on the field. Um, and Fernandez is, is in that conversation as well. But, I mean, I haven't really heard much about him um, in terms of off-the-field comments. But I think that Lascelles has proven that he can take this team and put them into a different gear. I mean, I remember there were tons of games last season that we purely only won because of Lascelles headers or Lascelles last minute blocks and 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 just Lascelles doing things that only Jamal Lascelles could do. These the the types of things that put him in that conversation for being on the English national team, and we just aren't seeing that. We haven't seen that this season. Um, And it's been really sad to see someone who's had so much promise and so much potential and was a natural-born leader for this club that everyone bought into has seemingly just kind of lost the ambition to lead. And so for that reason, I I have to call him out. I mean, it's unfortunate. I love him, but but I have to call him out.
0: Okay. Um, Okay. That's fair. From from that perspective, but I would not say he's he was the worst player.
1: Oh, no, no. I don't think – I think everyone was bad, okay. and I think Iose Perez was the worst. And if you're talking about just skill-wise on the pitch, Modiame just couldn't retain the ball in the midfield at all. Uh, I think our wingers played their worst games of the season. I mean, Kennedy probably played his second worst game, his second or third worst game of the season considering – the, the really bad games he had earlier in the season yeah
0: and i think john joe played one of his worst of the season as well yeah
1: i mean it was everyone had some of the, it was it was it was bad but Players i just i
0: thought did well enough i, I would say dumb it Lascells, yeah. fernandez yedlin i think had a really good game yeah, yedlin um, had a good, yeah and obviously Dubrovka. Dubrovka actually got a nine a 7.96 rating on uh who scored yeah, and I do want
1: to point out, Muto's efforts do go unnoticed. I think he had some decent runs, but mm-hmm. when he's in that advanced position, a lot of the stuff he does doesn't get noticed unless he gets the ball. If we're not getting the ball to him, like some of the, a lot of those runs just aren't aren't noticed, and there it, it just doesn't get talked about. So yeah, decent game from him.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, do you have anything else on this one? Nope. All righty, we are finished with that. So, good news, we, we're not last anymore. We're 19th. <laughs> We've we moved up on goal differential, and we have a pretty sizable advantage with that. So we're tied with three points with Huddersfield, but we, have, we are minus eight goal difference. Huddersfield is minus 17. Uh, so, we, so we have a nine, nine goals on that. Fulham's also on minus 17. So Cardiff is minus 14. We're, we're in a good position from that standpoint. But a win would put us out of relegation. So we're still – we're one win away from being out of that. It would put us in 17th, but still out of relegation. Uh, Southampton, stay where they are. They're still 16th at seven points. And then Man City still atop the table by goal difference, 26. Liverpool has 26. Chelsea in third place with 24. Arsenal with 22. And our next match is against Watford. They're in seventh place at 19. Six wins, one draw, three losses with a plus four goal differential. Very, uh, very uh, surprising start for them. So, pretty, pretty good one there. Um, all right. Let's get to questions. Yeah. Okay. We had one. Oh. And we know who it is, right? Okay. Who Steve is it? Steve Basimmi. <laughs> yeah exactly that'd be something let's get him on the pod <laughs> oh let's man talk about movies let's do it <laughs> um so the goat the official questionnaire of coming home newcastle's number one podcast chn radio trevor mooney he says which halloween couples costume would you two wear to describe the current state of the club oh that's easy <laughs> oh uh, couples so i have to agree
1: to that. Uh, the poop emoji and the toilet <laughs> I
0: definitely agree to this. 100 percent in.
1: Yeah, I mean that, it's too easy.:
0: The poop emoji and the toilet. that is great. yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else I could think of that would even come close. Or something just, with Kanye West because his stock is down. or just two toilets. Yeah, just two or just two poop emojis, yeah. either one. Or, po- or
1: poop emoji and the in uh, toilet paper.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's and that and that's being honest.
1: Yeah, I mean it is. We're not lying. Like it, it's just that's that's the way things are. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Trev. I I mean I love your question, and I knew you were expecting an answer similar to this, and I hope we lived up to your expectations because I think poop and toilet. If you said two words to describe this season, I would accept poop toilet. Yeah. Poopy toilet. Yeah. Poopy toilet. All right. You got anything else? Uh, No, I'm good. All right. Well, that concludes our somber, but I hope you guys understand episode 16 of the number one podcast in the world, CHN Radio, episode 16. We're out. Follow us on social media. Please, please, please give us five stars on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Play, Podbean. Want to see it all. And uh, feel free to give us feedback. chnradionufc at gmail.com. And with that, we will leave you, leave you with Blade and Races and Hawaii the Lads.
2: Stance from factory and up to the job in a day. Just can't endure the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the veils that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammon to blade and raises. Yen. Some went to the dispensary, and some to Doctor Gibbs's, and some to the infirmary to mend the broken ribs. who the danced and swung, they called on me to sing a song, and I sang them "Paddy fagin. I danced the jig and swung me twig the day I went to blade. Blade and tune, the bellman he was carrying there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him talking to some chips, and then he was persuaded, the gamsy riddled, he showed the mechanics how had blade. And... Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, We stole the cuddy. There were spice dolls and monkey shoes, and dad wives selling us In the of a And a chef for halfpenny's own debauches, and no more lads for riders.